1: Hey, folks, welcome into Ant Waveland Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma, and we may be joined shortly by Patrick Mooney, who is um, out in Arizona doing his thing. Oh, man, he's, he's connecting right now as I've started the pod, and I've got to simultaneously let him know that we're already recording while also keeping it interesting for the listeners <laughs> and not getting too meta because they're, like, listening to this right now. So, as I said... Patrick Mooney joining us from Arizona. I like that he's lowering his mask. Look at this Mr. Safety over here. How are you doing, Patrick? I'm good, guys. My apologies for being uh, a little late here. You're fine. We knew you had to cover the absolutely shocking breaking news of the Cubs, uh, reportedly, at least according to Jesse Rogers so far. I don't know if you could confirm it for us, but Eric Sogard in on a minor league deal. What are your sources telling you, Patrick Mooney, about Eric Sogard?
2: Well, I would not doubt Jesse Rogers at all. Uh, We wrote about Sogard, I think, in like one of our spring training previews, Sahadev, and it was kind of like, you know, the Cubs have had shown interest, had him on their radar, but they've done that almost like every single offseason for the last, I don't know, maybe three years, even on trade deadlines in between. And the Cubs finally stepped up with a minor league deal here on March 3rd, 2021 day
1: 100 according to jesse rogers right day 100 of the jed hoyer regime i like to imagine he put the phone down looked across the table to his compatriots and said ladies and gentlemen we got him uh yes as you said eric sogard has been on the cubs radar for uh, quite some time now as a uh you know slappy high contact kind of guy and i don't mean that derisively at all because it's a skill set that it can be sort of nicely complementary and i think it will um, provide us a nice entree into talking about the second base competition, which, on the positional side, what the Cubs don't have, th- there are no competitions uh, on the roster. Every other position is um, very set in terms of who the starter is. You know, obviously, every spring you have competitions at the back of the roster, uh, bench spots, and how you're going to coordinate all that. Um, but in terms of, Who's going to be the guy at a position? We know it everywhere except second base. And even that, I think you could, well, I won't seal anyone's thunder, um, but maybe let's talk about the guys who are vying to try to take the reins, which the Cubs would prefer. Um, and there are some interesting, I think, um, idiosyncratic considerations with each of the guys.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Patrick's been down there and probably has a better feel for uh, how things are shaking out at at least early on. But just uh, observing it from here and and what I know, I mean, like for me, Nico needs the opportunity, right? He needs the at-bats. Even with Sogard in tow now, I I always felt that uh, Sogard or someone like Sogard made a lot more sense than Kipnis. Uh, Kipnis' defense is just uh, not uh, up to par at the moment uh, to play a regular second base for a team so reliant on defense as well. He also, you know, maybe the Cubs caught a little bit of lightning in a bottle for two months there with him. He'd had some struggles previous to that, obviously, and he has, uh, you know, a history of success, but he's also a very streaky hitter. I wonder how much they just caught him, caught a couple, uh, you know, a good months there and 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 took advantage of that. Uh, I I think right now with Sogard, obviously it th- throws a little loop into things. But I'm I'm curious to see how much they push. It, it kind of seems like it, you know, very early on here. It seems like it would play out like the Kipnis situation, where yeah, he's on a minor league deal, uh, but this guy's probably going to make the team unless uh, he just doesn't, you know, look right during the spring. Uh, and w- with that in mind, I I just wonder how they'll how they're going to balance this all between the four second baseman does this now tell us that nico has a good shot to start in triple a remember he has no triple a at bats no no time at triple a the guy needs to be playing regularly that's i think that's ultimately what i come down to is nico needs to be playing regularly somewhere whether that's a triple a or the majors uh, that's hard to know. With AAA now starting later, right? We have a report that AAA is starting a month later than it was. I'm curious to see how they uh, play this out. If Sogard has anything left in the tank. Offensively, if he does, he's a, he could be a really nice person that you just plug into the two spot. But I think, uh, you know, when you look at... When you look at Sogard, Sogard's best seasons are kind of like what you hope Nico kind of develops into, right? Probably a little bit better, you would hope. Uh, So for me right now, when I look at this team and I look at this season, I'd like to see as much Nico as possible as long as they believe developmentally he's ready to play at the major league level on offense. Uh, That's the only thing that is a question in my mind, where they feel about him developmentally. Otherwise... I think whether it's Bodie Vargas Sogard, you gotta try and find a way to get Nico the most the bulk of the at-bats regardless of who's on the mound
2: yeah Brett this is a best shape of his life alert but I do think Nico I'm ready I'm ready Nico does look uh physically different which I think is probably you know to be expected um can I comment on that bro. real quick, and, and I'll let you go? Because yeah, obviously his,
1: his age, it's it is would be developmentally appropriate for his body to be developing. But I noticed in some of the shots that we've gotten from him at spring, particularly his lower half, his trunk uh, looks uh, really. <laughs> and, and I know I got I got a lot of unintentional laughs, like when I was commenting on this on Twitter. But I mean it seriously, because certainly for a guy who isn't like uh, very tall with long levers you would want him to develop a really strong base, a really strong lower half, a good old fashioned baseball butt, and yeah. that he could incorporate that into his power development. And it kind of seems like that's something that they've talked about and that he's worked on. And so, I mean, whatever. You know, you call me a creep if you want, but I'm just saying he's looking <laughs> nice. Creep. And,
2: he's looking nice <laughs> and thick in the lower half. That's what I'm saying. It, so like there's not in dispute you're a creep, but like <laughs> Uh, this conversation, Jed Hoyer said he was, you know, watching, you know, one of the workouts the other day with, uh, assistant general manager, Randy Bush. And they were both commenting, uh, on it too, how he just physically, uh, looks different. And Jed also mentioned how during kind of their exit interviews that Nico kind of came in and was just like pinpointed exactly what went wrong, what he needed to work on. And it really underlined, Uh, everything that the coaching staff uh, and the front office really appreciates about Nico that he's a a bright guy who can kind of self-diagnose and has a lot of um, self-awareness now these might also be a lot of really nice things the Cubs will say when they send them to the alternate site like we don't quite know uh don't have a great read on you know the second base battle that people are trying to like you know pump up into like a dramatic storyline like I'm gonna be honest i'm not quite feeling it they got you know what four guys now and you know they'll kind of see see who's good and see who's not um but yeah no doubt i i think uh if there was a triple a season like to me that would be a really easy decision like just go to des moines and like get right uh but with all the uncertainty of everything else i'm not sure if that's like a cut and dry decision at, at this point
0: looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with you, uh, Mooney, that the, uh, like, it's sort of a, it's a general spring training issue where I think both fans and writers, maybe even more, maybe this one we can pin on the fans more than, well, I am a fan, but pin more on on them than ourselves, where we like to think of spring training as a proving ground for making sort of decisions on who's going to play where, who's going to make the team, and although it does matter at the very margins of the roster, um, I think that it's it gets oversold. And so when you have a situation like the second base thing with the Cubs, particularly because all the other positions offensively are set with starters, we do tend to glom onto it more like, ooh, what's going to happen here? Uh, you know, a little more interesting this year than most because of the Nico Horner layer that you guys have been discussing. One part of it that I want to at least make sure we touch on Cause it's, it's still, it's felt unsettled to me for years now. Um, and it's the idea that David Bodie to me, you know, when I watch him play and when I dig in under the hood on the numbers, he looks like a guy who could be a starter at the big league level and could be an above average offensive contributor could play perfectly solid defense at second base. Um, And because of the timing of when he came up the shape of the roster, when he came up the last few years, it's like, okay, he, he may not get that shot. Well, this year, pretty clearly, like if he was ever going to get a shot to really take the job and run with it, it would be right now this year, because even in the presence of Nico Horner, you might look at as like, oh, he's the long-term guy at second base, or maybe he slides over to shortstop if Javi leaves after this year, whatever. Like, we know there's a chance that Nico might start the year at AAA, alt site, AAA, whatever for developmental purposes. And so if that were to happen, or even if it's on the table as a possibility, it's like, now is as good a time as you're ever going to see to really give David Bodie a chance to be like, no, 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 I'm an everyday player uh, because he's, he's getting into his upper twenties. They've got him signed. Wouldn't you kind of want to know you already know he can be a, a capable bench guy, spot starter, whatever um i don't know Do you, when when if ever are you going to be able to make that determination that okay yeah he's just he's he's a really really good bench guy but isn't going to be a starter
3: yeah i i mean i think that's fair uh to to try and one to to wonder if if bodhi has is something more than just like this super utility guy or or bench guy at, at second and third base uh at, You know, I think for me, you know, I when he first came up and when all those changes that he made in the minors kind of made him, you know, transformed him from a career minor leaguer to what he is now, I was curious of the same thing. And I wonder, you know, look, we've seen this in baseball, right? Particularly with the Dodgers. The Dodgers seem to do it a lot. The A's seem to do it a lot. Uh, Yankees. Guys that... You've seen go, uh, you know, whether it's Geo Ursula or someone more extreme like Justin Turner or uh, who's the guy Chad Pinder had a really good playoffs, right? Or he had a solid season last year. Kind of guys that were just like, oh yeah, that's a solid bench guy, or that's a that's a guy that the twenty fifth man on the roster type guy. Uh, don't really put a lot of thought into it, and then they turn into everyday guys. Or in Turner's case, even something more MVP type candidate. I don't know if Bodie has that type of Justin Turner ceiling I think that would be kind of extreme to to expect anything close to that but yeah I I think it is fair to wonder what more can he be he's he's got a solid approach uh, approach he he can take his walks we know he's got power will the swing and miss kind of uh, stifle him in a sense offensively overall is is his approach overall going to keep him from from really being more than a bench guy? Are there certain types of pitchers that he's just consistently going to be exposed by high fastballs, breaking balls? I, I I didn't I haven't looked at the numbers recently, but I know in general breaking balls in the past have just sunk him, uh, like almost to the point where it's it's hard to you know it's hard to assume that he can get past it. But yeah, I I think that's a fair question, and I think if I think you're right. Maybe this is the type of season where you need to figure those types of things out. You need to get Nico Horner developmentally correct, right? You need to develop him properly offensively because he is clearly a part of the future or needs to be, is expected to be a part of the future. So you want to make sure you don't you don't stifle him developmentally, whether that means getting him regular playing time at at, uh, at the major league level or whether that means sending him to the alternate site and starting him off at AAA come May, whatever it may be. Uh, and then, it, and yeah, maybe maybe that means if that's the case, then it's between Sogard and and Bo, Bodie getting regular playing time, and and kind of Vargas as the super utility guy. I, I I wouldn't be totally against that, right? I I think that's a fair fair question to ask. What can David Bodie be, even if even if I even if most people believe that he is what he is, and and that's a perfectly solid bench player and a, a capable player to have on your roster, but. Uh, I could t- I'm i sure he believes he can be a lot more. So so give him the opportunity and let's see what more he can do and then kind of go out there and prove it. I, I wouldn't be against that.
2: I also think, too, this deal is kind of indicative of how Jed Hoyer has approached this offseason and this roster, and I think recovering from uh, some serious low points there uh, in late December and, and mid-January. And you know, it's like... The Cameron Maben deal, and I think Brett, you had written some on Bleacher Nation, like he's a he's an average major league player, which is not a slight at all. Like that's you know, um, kind of an amazing compliment. Away, like you know, these are established major league guys who know their roles, who've been on winning teams, who know how to handle uh, a full season and kind of the grind in a playoff race, and whether that's someone like. Uh, Jake Marisnyk, uh Brandon Workman. There's all these kind of little pieces that um, if the Cubs stars play like stars this year, the Cubs could be pretty good. And, you know, who knows who's going to get injured between now and April 1st. And Sogard can fill in in a lot of different spots and offer this lineup something that they've been kind of lacking for years now, which is why they've kind of, circled so guard for uh, a, a while now and like things are going to go wrong like guys are going to get hurt players are you know going to be bad like th- like this happens and, and i think there are a lot of um i think the way jed put it when he first took the job i'd asked something like you know are you kind of the guy with all due respect like cleaning up the mess here and he said well you know it's you just have to stack one good s- decision on top of another and i think this sogard is you know it's like total low risk i mean no risk type of deal and they've been doing that you know, for several weeks here now and you can kind of see a team that is going to be really competitive in a bad division
3: you know it- I, and I just want to touch on the, the average player stuff. I think that's so important to bring up that just being an average player is a huge deal in baseball. And we've criticized the Cubs a lot over the recent past of the lack of depth. And, and yeah, I, I think the Cubs needed to make some bigger moves and, and add a more impact type players over the past couple off seasons. But I can't criticize him this offseason, even though it took forever, and there was plenty of time, like uh, Patrick touched on, to criticize him in in December and early January. Depth wise, Cameron Maben, Jake Marisnik, Eric Sogard, David Bode, Vargas, Austin Romine. Those are all. None of those guys are impact players. None of those guys are going to, uh, you know, light up the the st- light up statistics or the box score in any way. But they, they're they're all solid uh, clubhouse guys. They're all quality depth. They're that's how I'm not saying this is a great team. I I, I think we've we've talked about that at nauseum about yeah, this looks like a team that can compete in a bad division. But when it comes to depth, I mean, they've actually created solid depth. When you know, I, I'm I'm kind of now that I look at everything and actually think about it, like those are all players that yeah, winning teams would want as their backups. Uh, now when they're fighting for starting positions, yeah, I, I get the, the complaints, but I think overall the, the depth for once for the first time since maybe 17, uh, the depth looks decent. It's it's the can you trust the superstars on offense, especially to deliver? And then, of course, we, we have issues with the starting staff and the swing and miss and how deep is this bullpen? All those questions are still there. I'm just saying position player depth for the first time in a couple uh seasons. I feel like entering spring training or in the middle of spring training, it looks pretty solid.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to undercut. I don't want to undercut that. Point. So don't take it that way because I agree with you that having a, a nice cache of like steady professional have been average big leaguers um, can be valuable not only for the purposes of the games that they play as depth, but also just like having them available in the clubhouse. I think there's a lot of value in that that we um you know, can't always see manifest on the field on a day-to-day basis. But I do want to add that it seems like when you do talk about depth or, or let me set it up this way, Jed Hoyer had in front of him the opportunity to make these kinds of additions, the Cameron Mabin, the Eric Sogard, these guys, because the Cubs right now are lacking so considerably in AAA level young guys that are pushing their way sort of out of options, kind of, we got to figure this out. We have too much depth. How do we make this work? kind of where they were 2015-16 um, and it tends to be the case that the best teams have that the best teams yeah they'll make some smart additions here and there but they don't have a ton of room to add a guy like Eric Sogard on March 3rd because they already have a bunch of guys that are pushing and crowding and where you couldn't even look at a Sogard and say oh yeah I could see the the path for him to get starts because you just have too many options and the Cubs aren't
2: there right now yeah
1: no, that's
3: completely
2: and so, fair. So everything yeah, so everything you
3: can see So guards is is looking at
2: this like, dude, I'm 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 in, you know.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, and and that is but but to to Hoyer's credit, to the Cubs' credit, if and and I think we said this a lot about this roster back in November, maybe thinking about a different tier of free agency, but like if you have opportunities, you can only play with the hand you're dealt. And like the Cubs were in a certain reality where they were going to have these opportunities available. So it's like, well, Okay, then you might as well get some of the better, cheaper one-year veteran types that you can get because you can offer them opportunities. It's better than not doing anything at all. And and to both of your points, I think it's going to help them stay more competitive in a crummy division this year. And um, you know, let me add to this. I, I'm t- it's going to be a total dick move, but I'm going to add to this here at the end because then we got to wrap this thing up shortly. Uh, I loved seeing that the Cubs were one of 11 teams in attendance at the Yohannes Cespedes workout because look, will it happen? Uh, Probably not just statistically, they probably won't sign him, but in a world where like, Oh, suddenly end of spring training owners and players get together and like, you know what? We are going to have the DH this year. It's better for pitchers. We're just, we're going to do it. Wouldn't it be great to have rostered on a minor league deal, a guy who has got the upside of a, top tier bat, but who really only could be a DH, you know, well, the Cubs don't have that guy right now. And I'm just saying among the potential options still out there that would offer you actual upside as an everyday DH, you're not going to find better than Cespedes. So, okay, great. But if he's into it and if you could convince him that the DH might happen, do it. Man, I, I so I kind of loved that they were still considering that. And that, that fits kind of into what we're talking about here, where if you have opportunities, you might as well take advantage of that and, and try to bring in a, a potentially good and, let's admit it, fun player like Cespedes. Any last words there on that side? I know Mooney ducked out on us, which is, is perfectly appropriate, because that's his new... He's going to be like the slide-in late guy, yeah. slide-out early guy. I kind of dig it. He gets in his points, and then he's out of here. But yeah, um, you got, any, got any last words there, Sahadif?
3: No, I mean I th- I think you make a perfectly fair I- I- interesting point. I I don't know how likely it is they get together and and do that and then bring the DH back. I'd be all for it, but you're you're right. Like that's a that's a kind of the perfect player to to stash away and hope he has the upside to to kind of be a, a force on offense even if the the downside is absolutely nothing, like never stepping on the field again, but right. it, which is yes. which is fine.
1: And he does have just that fascinating range that Like if he's back and healthy and good, oh, he could be a serious impact bat. If he steps in another hole while running away from wild boar or whatever that that report was, well, you might not get anything out of him. Uh, So anyway, we'll leave it there. Um and uh, thank you folks as always for listening this is On to Waveland it's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic which you can always get at The Athletic on the app but you can also get it on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts make sure you are subscribing rating, reviewing showing us that love or hate if you hate but you know maybe keep that to yourself didn't your mom ever <laughs> teach you you know keep that stuff to yourself So thank you. I'm Brett Taylor. Catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is of Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Catch their stuff at The Athletic. We will be back at you next week. Thanks for listening.